0: Good morning everyone, good morning, you, are you enjoying the sun? Some of you look a bit more brown than, than usual, and uh, I think we've got a few folks away because it's half term. Um, I've noticed actually looking around that there are no Man United fans here, the, oh just the one, you're very brave coming here today, given that you, that you lost, lost yesterday, and I'm very pleased about that being a Liverpool fan, oh you as well, never mind. We'll pray for, you, pray for you later. Anyway, it's good to see you, folks. Um, we're continuing our uh, study on Philippians, and we're in chapter 2 at the moment. And Philippians 2 really could be summarized this. With a healthy respect and awe for God, the Apostle Paul essentially wants the Philippians to be one in spirit and mind, and to do so humbly as they spread the gospel to a lost and crooked generation, which is in essence was and still is the church's, I suppose, up, in and out calling, up to love God, in to love one another, and out to love our neighbours. And these three devotional love relationships I see in this second chapter of Philippians, our relationship with God, our relationship with fellow believers, and our fellowship with those who are yet to know Christ. And this is what I hope we can glean here this morning. So let's look at Philippians 2 through those three lenses. So the first one, as I said, is to love God. <clears throat> Jesus said unto them, thou shalt love thy God, thy, the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul. With all thy mind, this is the first and great commandment. That's in Matthew 22. And it says, Paul in Philippians starts his appeal through what I call, I'm going to call it this morning, rhetorical conditionality. What do I mean by that? Well, a rhetorical question or a rhetorical statement is an inquiry that is asked for effect rather than to elicit an answer for example is the Pope catholic is rain wet can fish swim can birds fly do dogs bark do cats meow does a bear poop in the woods (laughs) rhetorical question you don't have to answer that and conditionality is using words like if and can something that must be true or be done before another thing can happen? And Philippians 2 starts with rhetorical conditionality through the use of the word if not once but four times if any encouragement in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship. Of spirit if any affection or mercy now when a rhetorical conditional question or statement is posed the questioner knows the answer to the rhetorical question that that they've posed but they also know that its truth is in the question itself which is the very point but it's only a truth to be received or realized according to certain conditions the conditionality so let me ask you do you think Paul knew the answer to these questions all these statements they were rhetorical because of course he did but let me ask you and not rhetorically and perhaps to activate faith this morning is there any encouragement in Christ is there any comfort of love Is there any fellowship of spirit? Is there any affection or mercy? Folks, if you've loved, served, and obeyed God for any time, you should know the answer to that positively. And if you don't, I trust that you do and will. Paul knew the answer to the questions he posed to draw out a truth or a promise for the questionee. And God also knows the answer to the questions he poses to us or spiritual keys he presents because he's omniscient, that is, all-knowing. But he asks it to draw out something out of us that perhaps we need to be reminded of from time to time, particularly if things don't look great or feel great. If... If there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is comfort of love, if there is fellowship of spirit, if there is affection or mercy. And when I ask this morning, or when the Apostle Paul asks in our Philippians verses, or more importantly, when God asks the questions with conditional words like if, And sometimes can. They are rhetorical, yes, because they know the answer to them, the questioner. But the realization of the answer to the question, that is the truth. But sometimes the conditionality depends on us. To Ezekiel, God asks, can these dry bones live? God knew they could. But conditionally, he says to Ezekiel, for them to live, you must prophesy. When he says to ancient Israel that he would heal their land, he also says conditionally, if. If his people, who are called by his name, would humble themselves to pray the condition, then he would heal their land. There is a faithful response required by the questionee, And this is the key to the manifestations of many of our spiritual truths. And I know particularly when you're in the midst of it, it's often this. Lord, I believe it. Help me to believe. Which is a reasonable response in such times. And we see this in Philippians 2, verses 12 to 13, and it says this, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This is it. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. The Passion Translation puts it this way. God will continually revitalize you, implanting within you the passion to do what pleases him. So, my friends, a lot of the pressure is off us. Why? Because God's doing the work in and through us, despite who we think we are or what we haven't got. And if you love God, remember this. He loved you first. He saw you before the foundation of the world. He saw you in your mother's womb. So he knows us intimately. He sees us at our best. And he sees us at our worst. And yet still, he loves us. He died for us while we're yet still sinners. And so the answer to the question, if there is encouragement in Christ, if there is comfort of love, if there is fellowship of the Spirit, if there is affection of mercy, the Amplified Bible says this, there certainly is, and it's in abundance. If we love him, the scripture says this, we obey him. If, if, if. The second lens I want to go through this morning is we've loved God, number one, and number two now is to love one another. So, our text in Philippians 2 expresses this second love through unity with one another. Verse 2 says this So, I'm asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion. And united in one love, walk together with one harmonious purpose, and you will fill my heart with unbounded joy. So, what does it mean to be unified with one another? Well, it is a spiritual reality. We are unified in that we are born again, and we are spiritually related to each other through Christ. We share, if you will, the same spiritual DNA as children of God. Jesus said this in John 17 verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. That's his disciples. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message. That's us. I in them and you in me. So they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me. And have loved them even as you have loved me. We are to be unified in word, deeds, in fellowship. And that's why the Apostle Paul said it's right and proper to continue in fellowshiping. And for us at Junction 10, it means doctrinally being unified. We're officially a Assemblies of God church. It means Sunday fellowship. It means worshipping together, praying together. It means journey groups. It's, it's uh, WhatsApp groups. It's coffee meets. It's coming alongside people that we wouldn't ordinarily have fellowship with. People from different social stratas, careers, races, nationalities, vocations, being together. But folks, it's not always easy to love people. Trust me. It's not easy. It's easy to love people who show love to you, isn't it? But what about those who don't? And I'm not just talking about unbelievers. I'm talking about folks in Christ, in the church nonetheless. But love them, be alongside them we must, and we do. And this unity also means reaching beyond this fellowship to work Yes, with other Assemblies of God churches, and it's great that we do and have connections with them, but also with other Bible-believing others beyond this denomination. So you know, perhaps some of you, we should do by now that we're involved in Love Warsaw, which gathers a significant group of churches from different denominations and none. We're also involved in Love Black Country, yes, and some of you should know that we've got our festival Coming up, it's the slide there. On Saturday, the eighth of July, at Himley Hall, we did it last year. Trying to gather together thousands of Christians from across the black country, just to be together, to worship together, to say the one point two million people of our region need to know Christ, and we can. There's not one. I mean, there's some great churches, some fantastic churches with, I don't know. The biggest probably three, 400, maybe 500 people. Fantastic worship, great resources. But you know what? Even that one church, that one church isn't going to reach the black country. Is that a heresy me saying that? Right? It's not. Because it is the body of Christ working together, I believe, is part of that great mission that we'll see. The 1.2 million people of our region hear the gospel and hear it they must and folks, we as a church, we're one of the originators of, of Love Black Country and the net, and we've signed um, up to support it financially. And because we've done that, there's a special discount for those who want to get tickets for it it's a ticket event. And if some of those have already clocked on, if you get your phones out. Maybe take a picture of that or click on that that QR code will get you to the um, the booking page. And if you put in that code J ten together you get a discount. Isn't that good? Yeah? So you've got, you've got some fantastic, we've got, um, I'm trying to think, oh, um, we've got Governor B. Gene, have you heard of Governor B? You know, that, that rapper, it's that rapper that, that Gene likes. <laughs> we've got Philippa Hannah. We've got uh, Tim Hughes from um, Gas Street, the you know, great worship leader. We've got all these folks coming, plus lots of uh, food and kids stuff in different zones. Put it in your diary. Saturday, the 8th of July, between 12 and 7 o'clock. As I said, it's not easy. Paul said uh, in the verse, folks, you know what? It's not always easy being in church. It's not always easy because we don't always agree on things. We sometimes don't agree on aspects of doctrine. That's why we have, I guess, denominations. But even then, you get splits, as we're currently seeing over Methodism and aspects of Anglicanism, over big-ticket social issues and theological issues. And of course, there's no disagreement in our church. Well, not most of the time. Although we may have to wrestle maybe some of those big-ticket social and theological issues. But we shouldn't be afraid of disagreement or debate, because we have disagreements from time to time. But that shouldn't spoil the unity, peace. Paul said this to the Corinthians, and uh, he said in one Corinthians 9, uh, chapter eleven, verse nineteen: No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So airing it, discussion, debate, and seeing where the Lord leads in the outcome. But we have to contend for this unity, and at J10 we must, through those type of circumstances. And I said that this church hasn't had a major split, I don't think. Well, perhaps in the past, Through transitions of leadership, folks have come and gone. Maybe some factionality aspects to that. Paul's text um, talks about his co workers, Timothy and Epaphroditus. These are people that led where others have sown. And Aspects of that is true for us as as elders. We have sown, we have worked where others have sown. And us as elders, Rachel's here, Joe's not here, he's preaching out. Where's he preaching? We don't know where he's preaching. There you go. Factionality. He's out somewhere. Mm. We're not always on the same page, believe it or not. Not always. Most of the time we are. But we have tried through those matters when we're not always on the same page, To explore the differences of opinion with all humility, preferring each other. Now, our current mode of leadership at Junction 10, i.e., not having one senior pastor or senior leader as we had in the past, at times, decisions in that particular way of doing things take a little longer to happen. But it was based on the biblical principles of letting everything be established by two or three witnesses as we together seek the mind of Christ. We contend to follow the Apostle Paul's humble example as I read in in Philippians again. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made human in likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now in my other life, um, I lead as a a CEO or a chair in in large trusts in the public and private sector, and sometimes I can be very forceful in in those occasions. Sometimes consensual. But this J10 leadership dynamic is unusual for me. And I guess for Joe and Rach and for some of you I guess as well. But J10 is unusual. We are a peculiar people. We're unusual in the assemblies of God. We're unusual in Warsaw. But I guess not surprisingly for the church that knocked its building down we've had a call to be unusual for how long well the lord knows you keep praying for us in that prefer one another it's an expression of loving one another even if this is difficult we must remember the master's example in fact the master's commands it he commands it that we be one John 13, verse 34 says this, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. So we do this because we are commanded to, which is right. But also because it makes sense. There are benefits in our unity and our fellowship. In the scriptures we see the tribe of Judah and Simeon collaborating together. And that was a word I received, my goodness, it's going to be over 25 years ago, which was foundational to the formation of Love Warsaw, which I received, which is why I still contend for the unity of the body of Christ across our area, not get too hung up about denominational labels. Judges chapter 1 is where we read this. It says... If, here's that conditional word again. If you help me, tribe of Simeon, help me, tribe of Judah, possess my territory, I'll help you possess yours. Working together as the body of Christ, different strands, different styles of worship, different reflections on aspects of doctrine, But recognizing that Israel cannot be possessed by one tribe, but the tribes collaborating together. Do you get it? We are one with Christ. We are one with each other despite the challenges. We are one. We've done communion this morning and there is a mystery in this act. A unity mystery, I believe, that is embodied in the act itself. The sharing of bread This is my body. Receive it. You become the body of Christ. And we're reminded to do it every time we meet together. John 13, 35 says, by this unity, everyone will know that you are his disciples if if you love one another. If you love one another, conditional word again. If you love one another, the world, your neighbors, they will know that you are his disciples. Which leads us to our last love: to love your neighbor. In my book, there is a distinction between loving one another and loving your neighbor. As John 13 says, by this, everyone heard it already will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So there's a distinction between them and us. And we have a responsibility to love our neighbors outside of our believing fellowships. No, not just a responsibility. We have our orders. Another command. The second commandment, which is like the first, love God, which we all know, but love thy neighbor as thyself, which is the golden rule. Philippians two fifteen says this: so that you may so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like the stars in the sky. Amongst who? Amongst our unbelieving neighbours. We you know the song: "This little light of mine, I'm gonna." Yeah. We must shine our little lights. That's why we love the black country. That's why we love Warsaw. Folks, that's why we love Allenwell, And that's why we love Darleston. We must express our love, not just to run a nice social club or a study group. But like in Paul's day, we lived in a warped and crooked generation. I mentioned earlier on, my sort of non-church roles. And one of those roles is about creating partnerships to tackle the post-pandemic crisis. And we call this effort in the NHS and in the local authorities across the black country, the economy of together. Folks, there is an economy in our fellowshipping, in our togetherness, in doing church. It's good for edifying us, but fundamentally, we, as communion teaches us, we are the body of Christ. The representation of him on earth, and we are to be his witnesses to this lost world, to our neighbors. Why? Because God so loved this world that he gave his only son. And here's this, that conditionality again, that whosoever believes, conditional, because not everyone Believes, but whosoever believes and folks they can only believe if they hear in word and in deed and hearing comes from, from us his witnesses and in doing that we do love our neighbours so as I close if this is all to be manifest if we do need a healthy respect and awe as philippians tells us for god because he is mighty he is awesome and yes we love him as a friend but he is also awesome someone says yeah he is mighty And without Christ, Scripture says it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And sometimes we forget that. We have been saved. Trust me. And all for the God we love. Being one in spirit and in mind. Loving each other and doing so humbly as we lovingly spread the gospel. To our lost neighbors. I just want to pray for us now. Love God. Love one another. Love our neighbors. And there's a benefit being in in this place today. We thank each other for for the times that when we've fallen down. and, And friends in the church have picked us up. Encouraged us, given us words of wisdom and knowledge. It's just been a listening ear to hear us, to be a shoulder to cry on. This is the benefit of fellowship. Lord, I thank you for that. People that we wouldn't have ordinarily connected to outside of this space, you've put us together and unite us together, Lord, in love. And we thank you for this love that enables us to navigate the times of difficulty in our relationships with each other. But also, we thank you for the equipping that comes from us being together to release us, to equip us for works of service, to reach this lost world. And I want to pray, oh God, over our folks, those here, those still on the holiday, and those who are yet to come into this place. Lord, I pray, God, for a great appreciation of who you are, Lord, and what you've been doing. Lord, you are almighty, but you are all loving as well. And I bless this church, Junction 10, 45 years of of working out our salvation, 45 years, Lord, of discerning what it is to be together, Forty-five years, Lord, of of exploring, Lord, what you have for us next. Lord, we humbly come before you. Put down our natural, worldly labels and, and stand before you, Lord, naked. You see through us. All the pretensions that we might put on ourselves, Lord God, you see through us. And yet you still love us. So I bless our people here today, Lord, your people, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Folks, it's the time of the month again for us to to pray for each other, and we do have our prayer folks with the blue badges on. I've noticed over the last few weeks that some of us are becoming uh, less inhibited about receiving prayer. And I said that second love about loving one another. Folks, there might be better clubs for you to go to, I guess, for social affairs and wherever else, but no club can get what you get out of here today. The body ministry. And the Lord uses ordinary folks like you to impart his virtue. And so today, if, as it said at the beginning of this, what was it? If you need encouragement in Christ today, I don't know. Come for prayer. If you need to know the love of God, perhaps because your, your heart's gone a bit cold, come for prayer today. If you need the fellowship of the Holy Spirit to connect with your individual spirit, come to, for prayer today. If you feel so wretched because the week hasn't gone as you had hoped it to be. If you need affection or mercy, come for a prayer today. The chairs are out there. Folks are gonna come up to to lead us in our in our last song of, of worship and praise.